Okay, we are in Lesson 17. We're in Chapter 11 now. We're going to start with verse 2. And we're going to go through verse 16. And we're going to talk, Paul's going to change the subject now. Before he was addressing the issue of meat offered to idols and the whole issue of freedom and liberty and what does that mean and the restraints of that. Now he's going to talk about the issue of women in the worship service. There was a question probably that was raised concerning how women should function or what part should women have in the worship service. Now, this passage, these verses, these 15 verses that we're going to look at here, are very controversial. You may not be aware of that, but they are. There are some who go from one extreme to the other with these verses. There are some who go to the extreme of saying it's just purely cultural. There's nothing there we don't need to worry about. There are others who go to the extreme that say, ladies, you need to have a doily on your head today. And I know of churches where, you know, what they'll do is if they know they're going to church, they just grab, you know, something off the table and throw it on their head to go to church. Uh, how, how many of you are familiar with groups like that? Okay, yes. And, and that's because of this passage. It comes out of this passage. Now, what we're going to do is, again, we're going to try and see what does the passage say to us here today. So I'm going to give you a principle of Bible study. Whenever we study the Bible, we want to study the Bible not based upon who we are right now, but we want to look at it from the standpoint of who they were, what was going on in their culture at that time. And then from that, you can draw a principle that you can bring to where we are today. So we want to look where they were at, what was going on, why did Paul respond the way he did, what was the principle that he gave. And then bring that to our culture today, because everybody agrees that our culture today is completely different than their culture almost 2,000 years ago. Everybody agree with that? So what we're going to do is we're going to look at an issue that is partly cultural, but there's a greater principle here. And what we want to do is focus on the principle rather than focus on next Sunday every one of you ladies needs to have a doily on your head or a prayer cap or something. So we're going to look and see what this passage says. So let's look at those verses 2 through 16, and we will get right into this. Look with me at verse 2. Now I praise you, brethren, that you remember me in all things and keep the traditions just as I delivered them to you. But I want you to know that the head of every man is Christ, and the head of, every, head of the woman is man, and the head of Christ is God. Every man praying or prophesying, having his head covered, dishonoreth his head. But every woman who prays or prophesies with her head uncovered dishonors her head, for that is one and the same if the head were shaved. For if the woman is not covered, let her also be shorn. But... If it is shameful for a woman to be shorn or shaved, let her be covered. For a man indeed ought not to cover his head, since he is the image and the glory of God, but the woman is the glory of man. For the man is not from woman, but woman from man. Nor was man created for woman, but woman for man. For this reason, the woman ought to have a symbol of authority on her head, because of the angels. Nevertheless, neither is man independent of woman, nor woman independent of man in the Lord. For as woman came from man, even so man also comes through woman. But all things are from God, 
Judge among yourselves. Is it proper for a woman to pray to God with her head uncovered? Does not even nature itself teach that if a man has long hair, it is a dishonor to him? But if a woman has long hair, it is to a glory to her, for her hair was given to her for a covering. But if anyone seems to be contentious, we have no such custom, nor do the churches of God. Okay, so we're going to work our way through this. This seems almost a difficult, I said it's difficult, and it has stirred a lot of controversy. And especially it has stirred a lot of controversy in our culture today, in our world system today, because we've, we've in a lot of ways, have been influenced by feminist thinking. Everybody understand what I mean by feminism? You know, a lot of, from the ERA movement. Some of you remember the ERA movement that died, but it didn't die, and, and so forth. And some of that has translated over into church, because it, when you read this passage, it almost seems really strict and legalistic. How many of you, when you read this passage, especially ladies, when you read this, would say, man, this just seems so much like bondage. We just talked about freedom, and now he's here, he's putting some restraints on it. Is this, how many of you would say, yes? You're being honest. All right, so let's look at it. We're going to go through here. First of all, it's a cultural issue. That's the first thing I want you to see. It's a cultural issue. So here's what he's saying. Paul praises them for applying his teaching to their lives. So when you look at verse 2, he's giving them a commendation for the fact that they apply the teaching that he has given them to their lives. And, and it's good that he wants to remind them of that, because he's getting ready to get into this issue that is a very thorny issue for the church there. And really is a thorny issue for us. Exactly what does this mean? And so he wants to commend them for applying his teaching to their lives. And listen, let me just stop for a moment. When we talk about Bible study, when we talk about reading the Word of God, when we talk about even listening to a sermon or, or even partaking in a discussion like we're having right now, the issue isn't just hearing or seeing, it's applying. There's a better understanding. Growth in your life as a Christian is not going to take place just by hearing. It's not going to take place just by seeing. Growth in your life as a Christian is going to take place because you apply what God's Spirit says to you as you read through His Scripture and as you hear. You understand? And that will be different for every one of us. So, for instance, let me give you an example. We're going to have a discussion here today. Some of you are going to walk out of here and God is going to specifically talk to you about something, but it's going to be different than what the person across the room does. Because the Holy Spirit was speaking to you about something in your life at that moment, particularly. Now, the issue is, is what you do with it. Growth comes in your life because you apply what you've heard and seen that the Holy Spirit is showing you. Because if you don't apply it, you harden your heart. And you'll be less susceptible for the Holy Spirit showing you something later on. So Paul's commending them for applying his teachings to their life. Listen, that really should be the number one thing. All of us here are students. You thought that school was over. You thought, I'm over with that. But you know what? You're in the school of life, the school of the Holy Spirit, and he uses life and he uses his teachings to teach you something every day. And the issue is, are you going to apply what you learn? Because you're probably thinking back to high school or whatever, and you're thinking, well, I sure am not applying that biology class anymore, or that English class, or that history. You are applying some things, but you know, you're not really applying a lot of things. But when we talk about the school of the Holy Spirit, he's showing you things you need to apply into your life. And so he's commending you to that. So now he's going to get to the problem. 
Here's the problem. It's the issue of headship. I'm going to introduce a term to you that you guys may not have ever heard before, and it's called headship. And headship has to do with authority. It's an issue of authority, biblical authority. The first thing he tells us, verse 3, is that Paul presents the divine order of authority. Whether you realize it or not, when God created, he created things in a divine order. God is a God of order. And so when you go all the way back to Genesis, in Genesis chapter 1 and 2, you're going to see there that, there that things were created in an order. There was a line of authority there. There was a line of authority there. And in particular, I want you to look what it says there, verse 3. But I want you to know that the head of every man is Christ, the head of every woman is man, and the head of Christ is God. So he's, he's showing us a divine order here. There's God, there's Jesus, there's man. There's a divine order there. And that's what the issue is. And this is where a lot of problems are stirred up from. It's, it's not so much, every one of us can comprehend, okay, yeah, Jesus is in submission to God, we are in submission to Jesus, but it's after that point that we got a problem. It's after that point that we start melting down with what does exactly does that mean for the man to be the head? And he's going to talk about that further. And especially today where you've got folks, and even from our circles, who basically make it seem like a woman's supposed to be a doormat. And we'll talk about that later. So the issue is headship. So now here's what he's talking about. There's, here's the problem. Men dishonor God when they pray with their heads covered. Men dishonor God when they pray with their heads covered. So he's talking about dishonorable worship here. So for a man, when he worships, to have his head covered, that was dishonoring to God. All right, now let's go on. Here's the issue for women. On the part of women, women dishonor God when they pray with their heads uncovered. Now remember, I've told you this is a cultural issue here. So I don't want you to read into this because we're talking about the Corinthian culture here. Because let's stop for a moment. I want to remind you of something. Whenever you see, maybe you've seen some Jesus movies, and when he went to pray, he would take his prayer shawl and what would he do with it? He would cover his head. The Jews, men, when they went to pray, would, would cover their heads. This is what I'm trying to say to you. So, for instance, in our culture today, when you see people enter into worship, we, we have to understand this is a cultural issue. But Paul, probably when he prayed as a Jew, he covered his head in the normal fashion that he was taught all of his life. And if you were to say to them, that's dishonoring, they would say, what are you talking about? You're crazy. So what I want you to see is the issue in Corinth, though, because there's another, here's a reason what's going on in Corinth, and I'll explain it to you in a moment. The issue in Corinth was completely different. There, the men uncovered their heads. And the women covered their heads. And we'll talk about that in a moment. I'll give you an explanation for that in a moment. But see, so what he's saying is, it is a dishonor to God. Women dishonor God when they pray with their heads uncovered. Now, don't take that for you right now. Because some of you are going to be running out, running home, getting a doily, coming back and putting it on your head. That's not the issue here. This is a cultural, we're discussing the cultural issue here. Bear with me. So here's what I'm saying. The issue is this. Here's the cultural issue. The Corinthian women threw off their cultural dress in worship. That's the issue. I want you to understand something to me. Their culture was a little bit more defined, even though, remember I told you about Corinth, and about Corinth was filled with what? What was the number one industry in Corinth? 
prostitution. Thousands of temple prostitutes. I mean, when one of the old philosophers says, for not every man is the trip to coin, he was talking about the sensuality and the sexuality of that society. Now, let me just stop for a moment. So, here you are, you're in a town that's filled with thousands of prostitutes. How do the normal law-abiding people, women, distinguish themselves from the rest of the women who are prostitutes? How do you distinguish yourself? And how would you, a guy who's going there, know that's a prostitute and that isn't? By their dress. And in particular, for that culture, by their head covering. Does everybody understand that? In particular, by their head covering. This, this is the issue. The issue is they were thrown off their cultural, because they had freedom. Again, we're going back to the issue of freedom. Because they had freedom in Jesus, they felt that they could throw off the cultural norms and come in and worship the lines of authority within their culture. This is the issue. It isn't so much that they had a doily on their head, but it was an issue of separation from the rest of the culture. Do you understand? Because in that culture, the Greeks would look at those ladies and say, well, they must be a prostitute. Do you understand by the way they were dressing? See, there's a deeper issue here than just simply having a doily on your head. And I'll be honest with you, for the Corinthians, it wasn't a doily. It was probably something that, you know, you look at the Taliban and the burqas that the ladies wear. You know, that, that's the same kind of input. That's the same kind of thinking. There was a protection of the women there from the rest of the culture that was so vile. So here's what these ladies were doing. They were coming into worship, and they were throwing off their cultural dress. Now, what I mean by that, they weren't stripping down naked in a service. What they were doing, though, is getting rid of the head cover. Getting rid of the head cover. And this was a Corinthian issue. So... Now he talks about the public shame of it. He's going to explain that what they're doing is shameful, and he's going to talk about it here. First of all, Paul tells them that it's the same as if they had shaved their heads. See, in their culture, first of all, how many of you remember the singer 20 years ago, Shanae O'Connor, was the pop, pop singer? The weird thing about Shanae O'Connor, if you remember her, it was what? She was bald. That's weird. I mean, that, that's just unusual, isn't it? They're coming in bald men. Okay, that's one thing. And, you know, shaving your head is for a man is one thing. But for a woman, because hey, we, we're used to Yul Brenner and Telly Savalas, aren't we? And everybody else there is now. Now, here, here's my point. But for a woman, even in our culture today, that's just, that's just unique. In their culture, it was a shame. In their culture, for a woman to have her head... And it's, if you're saying, if you're going to uncover your head, you must go ahead and shave your head. And they would grab a hold of that immediately. When they heard Paul write that, they would grab a hold of it immediately and say, oh, he's not telling me to shave my head. He's saying that what I'm doing is almost as bad as if I'm shaving my head. Because of the culture and the view of the culture at that time. You understand? Well, we want to, let me remind you what we're doing here. We want to look and see what the principle is from their culture and bring the principle over to our culture. And that's what we're going to get to. We're going to look at what the principle is and bring it over to our culture. All right, so let's go on then. So here's what he's saying. A woman with a shaved head brought public shame. Therefore, here's what he's saying. He draws a conclusion here and says, therefore, a woman has to cover her head in worship. 
All right, let's let's grab the principle here. Let's go back. There's a here's the here's the underlying principle here. Because it's a public shame in the culture there of Corinth, for them to worship, because when when the pagans went to the temples, they had their, the ladies had their heads covered. So for them to be there, and and to throw off their head covering, and let's stop for a minute. Let's apply what we've already learned. Do you think they had a right to do that? I mean, they were free in Jesus, right? They could, they, and they were probably using that argument. But Paul is saying that what they're doing brings public shame. So therefore, when they go to worship, they need to what? Cover their head. You understand what I'm saying? Cover their head. Why? Because let's go back to the greater principle. I limit my freedom for the sake of who? Others. So for instance, remember what I said. We used it last week in terms of the issue of eating meat offered to idols. And remember I told you that if Bruce invited me over to my house and he says, this was offered to the, to the goddess Aphrodite, I was to quit eating. Was it for my sake or his sake? Remember? Whose sake was it for? For his sake. Why? Because my eating that, would because he's a polytheist, remember he believes in many gods, would equate my God with one of his gods. Because, remember I told you Tom was here last week and I said he worships at the Temple of Zeus? And they would fellowship together and they wouldn't have a problem eating at each other's table because, oh, that was offered to Zeus, mine was offered to Aphrodite. Mine tastes better. And, and But the point is, for a Christian, I want to live my life in such a way that Christ is exclusive above all. And that's what we talked about last week. Now we come over to chapter 11 and he's saying, look, it's a public shame. Therefore, cover your head. What's the issue there? Who am I covering my head for? What did you say, Bruce? Other people, specifically what other people? The unsaved, because they would go and worship with their what? And, it's, and they would be like, what? You do what? You understand what I'm saying? It would, it would put a stumbling block up. But there's a greater issue here. The greater issue is others. Now, let me just stop. Okay, let's, okay, let's stop for a moment. Let's take what we've got right now and bring it forward to where we are today, 2,000 years. The fact that you ladies are not wearing a doily here today, or you've got your head covered with a, with, you've got a hooded sweatshirt, you've got your head covered, whatever, is that offending people out in Kerwinville? Are they walking around town and saying, they don't wear a doily in that church? Is that an offense to people out there? No. So the issue isn't the doily, is it? The issue isn't the doily. The issue, greater issue here, this is the issue that the doily represents, is the issue of authority and submitting to authority. And by their throwing off the head covering, they were throwing away the cultural distinction of authority. So we understand that. So this past, it's a cultural issue. So Paul, he's going to under, explain to us why that he's, he's saying what he's saying, because he's going to get right to the heart of the issue. The issue is a biblical creative order of authority. And so he's going to go right through it. And this is the principle that we need to glean from. And as we glean from it, I'll talk about some of the abuses of it. Especially if you've been in our circle of churches, you have probably heard some abuses, and we'll put those to death, hopefully. Here it is. The issue is glory. Man should not cover his head because he reflects the image of God. Look with me at verse 7. Look at what he says. For a man, indeed, ought not to cover his head, since the image of God and the glory of God 
but woman is the glory of man. He's talking about the creative order. Because if you go back to Genesis, who was created first from the dust of the earth? Man. How was woman created? Out of man, from a rib from, from, from his side. Okay, so he's, he's discussing the creative order here. So when man was created, he was created in the image of God. Women are created in the image of God also. Let me just stop there for a moment. Let me just go ahead and say that because, it, because we're all the image of God, created from the image of God. But his point here is that man is to reflect his image, okay, the image of God. Woman is to reflect the glory and image of man. Woman is to reflect the glory and image of man because of how that comes out of, of the creative order there. All right? So woman is to reflect the glory and the image of man. Now, so some of you, maybe that just sounds like, man, that just sounds so repressive. Well, maybe it is to you, but I have to remind you, that's the creative order. That's how God created things. He created man, and out of man, because he did not want man to be lonely, he created woman. Man reflects the glory of God. Woman reflects the glory of man. And I'll be honest with you, it's within that world, those natural roles that God has created that we find our peace. So let me just stop for a What do you mean by that? God wired every one of you a certain way. Everybody understand that? You were wired a certain way. Now, it's been marred by the fall. The mar, the, the fall marred the image of God in every one of us. Does everybody understand? You are not perfect. You may think you are, but you're not. You think you are, ask your spouse. But here's the point. You, you were wired a certain way, and you were wired to function within God's creative order. We create stress for ourselves, men and women. Listen to me. We create stress for ourselves when we try to function outside of God's creative order. And there, there is a sense in which a woman is to reflect the glory of man in her life. And there's a sense in which man is to reflect the glory of God in his life. And so I'm, I'm just going to give you some general statements there, and that's the creative order. We'll talk a little bit more about that later. Here's the, here's the creative origin. In creation, woman was created for man. Again, you may not like that, but that's reality. Lori and I just had this discussion yesterday. Now, you're laughing, but here's what our discussion was about. Her, her, the discussion was her comment, you would be lost without me. That's true. That is so true. Because have you ever noticed... It's interesting when you notice when people widow. You ever notice when people widow? Women, it may be a long time before they ever remarry, if they remarry. Men, have you noticed they can't hang around being single for long? Have you thought about that? Did you ever take a step back and examine life? They cannot function because they need someone else to help them. And guess who God gave them to help them? Woman. There's some, there's, there's, and it comes out of the biblical order. It just makes common sense to us, but it's out of the biblical order. Do you understand? And so there's a sense in which the woman was created for man because, man, we'd be lost without you. Do you, you understand? We would be. And now some of you are fighting that. You're fighting your guy because you figure after this many years he should know better. He isn't going to get it. Just realize it. He ain't going to get it. He's not wired to get it. 
He needs you. He can't function without you. Now, it drives you nuts, but you've got to ask for grace. Remember, the image is marred. The image is marred, all right? And so you've got to do what you've got to do. So the creative order is, is that in creation, woman was created for man. Now, what do you say? What's this got to do with the head covering thing? It's got to do with the issue of authority and the divine order. This is the bigger issue here. It's not the issue of having something on my head. It's the issue of understanding the divine order and what my role is and my function is within the divine order. Everybody understand me? Okay? So let's go on then. The implication, here's the implication of what Paul's saying. Women must reflect the divine order in their worship. Look with me in verse 10. For this reason, women ought to have the symbol of authority on her head because of the angels. Because of this issue of the divine order, in that cultural setting here, women needed to reflect that in their worship, the divine order. And that's what's going on there. It, for them, it meant they had to keep their head covering up. For them, it meant they had to keep their head covering up. So, for instance, let me give you an example. If we were missionaries, we decided we were going to go to Afghanistan. Ladies, you would need to wear a head covering. And if you're going to reach Afghani men with the gospel, and if there are Afghani men who come to Christ, you have you just can't walk in there, throw it off, because that would be offensive to them. Because in their culture, the divine order is represented by what? Women wearing what? Sorry. Now, if you had an Afghani Christian come here, now we would probably say, okay, it's okay for you to wear your, your scarf if you want to wear that scarf. But you would also say to her, but you know what? Here, it's not that big of an issue. What's the issue? The wearing of the scarf? No. It's how the divine order is represented in our culture. Does everybody understand? It's how that divine order is represented in our culture in the way that we conduct ourselves. And for, for them, all saying, you need to cover your head and worship. Because that's what the culture is. That's what the culture is there. So let's go on. The women must reflect that. Now here's another reason. He gives a reason why, because you maybe were looking at him. Why did he say that? Look with me what he says there. Because of the angels. Here's what he said. Paul reminds them that they are beings watched by angels. My friends, do you realize that you have people watching you? And it isn't that old guy who's sitting on the bench at Walmart that's looking at everybody going through the checkout. You know what I'm talking about? That's not, we're not talking about that. Because you're like, why is he looking at us? Just staring at us. Because he's got nothing better to do. But that, that's not the point. Here's the point we're saying is that you and I are being observed by angelic beings. They're curious about us. Let's just go ahead and find a mindset. They're curious about us. I mean, think about it. They're perfect beings. And for God to send his son to die for us because of our imperfectness, that would be a curiosity to them. They don't understand the issue of salvation, for they've never had to experience it. So you're being observed, okay? You're being observed. That, that's interesting, isn't it? Because so oftentimes we live in this world. What I can see, touch, feel, hear, and smell... And then to realize that there's a spiritual dimension that we're not even with. You know, they're here now. They're here right now. They're here right now. Do you realize that? You know, no, you probably don't. But they are here. There's good and bad ones here right now. 
And they're here. And they're observing us. And so that's what Paul's trying to say to them. Is that the implication is, you know what, you need to reflect the divine order in your worship, and you're being watched by angels. Now here, here's what he's saying. He's going to talk about the issue of independence. Now, because immediately you might be thinking, come on, Paul, that is so repressive. You just want to put women down and put the foot on their neck and just keep them down. And listen, there's preachers who would talk that way. Here's what he's saying. Men and women are interdependent and complement each other. Look, here, look with me, verses 11 and 12. Nevertheless, neither is man independent of woman and woman independent of man in the Lord. For as a woman came from the man, even so man also came from the woman. But all things are from God. Okay, now here's what he's saying. He's going to show some interdependence here, because, all right, let me just stop. There is a line out there. If you get certain Baptist publications, they will tell you that you, Mr. are the head guy in your house. And she needs to listen to you and do whatever you say. And if she doesn't, she's not right with God. And I've heard sermons where the preacher will say, you need to come down, woman, and get right with God down here. How many of you have been witness to that kind of stuff? All right. Ladies, let me ask you your impression of that. Let's be honest. We're, we're having a Sunday school here, so we have discussion. What are your thoughts about that? Forget it is what Ramona said. Okay. What, what other thoughts have you had? What kind of view does that give you of God? Okay, that's good, Mike, but I was asking the ladies. <laughs> They're being shot, but you hear what Mike said. How many of you agree with what Mike said? It just sounds like God doesn't care about me. I'm supposed to be just, he doesn't understand that man I'm living with, and he's just telling me that I just got to do everything. And, and, and whatever he says, I'm supposed to do it, and I'm supposed to be saying, yes, sir. Here's my point. It seems oppressive when you first look at the issue. So Paul comes back and he says, look, no, no, wait a minute, hold on, I've got to remind you of something here. We're interdependent. Woman came from man, reflecting the divine order is what he's talking about there. The way things were started. But he also says, man came from woman. What's he talking about there? Birth. And the whole point is, is that we are not independent of each other. We can't live without each other. We need each other in order to exist. So what that does to the guy that says, you need to get right, do whatever, and Hold your neck out for your husband put his, put his foot down. That's not what Paul's saying. We need each other. See, gentlemen, let me explain something to you. You can be an authority in your home and a leader in your home without being a dictator. And let, let me explain something to you. Let's go back to Paul. Paul, in Ephesians, talks about two issues. Wives, love your husband. Respect your husband. What's the issue of respect to the divine order? And then husbands, what are you to do? You're to love your wife. Like you would love your own, take care of it. Provide that sense of security. We need each other in order to function properly. So when you've got people who take a passage like this and say, well, it just means that women, you just need to be quiet. Come on. That is not what it's saying here. In fact, we're going to see what it says here in a moment. Because that is not the issue of you being quiet. The issue is of you recognizing where you are in the divine order of things, and worshiping and functioning within that capacity. That's the issue. And being who God wired you to be. So let's go on here. Here's what he says. The natural order. Paul calls them to judge the issue. 
Look, look at among yourselves there, he says. You judge the issue. Judge among yourselves. Is it proper for a woman to pray to God with her head covered? Just judge among yourselves. Is that proper, he's saying. Here's the cultural norm. Here's what he's saying is the cultural norm for them. In Paul's day, it was not normal for men to have long hair. Now, men did have long hair, but it may have been like for the Jews that they were Nazarites and they wouldn't cut their head because of a vow. And even Paul did that. I need to remind you from the book of Acts. Remember, he took a Nazarite vow. So the issue isn't that long hair is long. It was just the culture of that time. Now, I'll be honest with you. Our culture is changing. And you ever notice that hairdos change? How many of you remember the 70s with the David Cassidy, uh, Andy Gibb, feather down the middle, you know, thing going on there? You know, aren't you glad that's gone? Okay, and ladies, the high hair of the 80s, you know, stack it up there, you know, high hair, you know, poop it up. I don't know, maybe that gave you, maybe it made you look big or something, I don't know. If, you know, aren't we glad that that changes? So for them, in their culture, Paul's day was not normal for men to have long hair, especially among the Greeks. Now, here's what he's saying. God gave women long hair as a natural covering. So he's going to go one step further here and say that for a woman, he gave them a natural covering, and that is their long hair. Now, the issue here is maintaining distinctiveness between men and women. That's the issue. Now, this itself has been, this principle itself has been taken to an extreme. The issue is maintaining a distinctiveness between men and women. So, for instance, some of you maybe remember, you know, in churches that women were not allowed to dress like what? And not wear what? Slacks to church. Well, did anybody ever sit back and think about that for a moment? I have walked, I, some of you ladies are wearing slacks today here. I have yet to see a man wear those kind of pants. They're not meant for men. They're ladies' clothes. And if you saw a guy wearing them, you would wonder about it. But what we've done is, is we've gone to the extreme of saying, we want to maintain the distinctiveness so you can't dress like a man. What does that mean? In Jesus' day, in our culture, they would say they dress like women. Because they wore what? Long robes. And so when you read the Bible and it says that they girded up themselves, what does that mean? They grabbed a hold of the rope and, and tied it up so they could run better instead of with a, in a rope. That's what that means. So does everybody understand me? The issue is the distinctiveness between men and women, not necessarily in dress, but that we maintain the natural order of distinctiveness. Now let's go on. Here's the practice among the churches. Now here's what I was going to, here's what I was going to point out to you, that this was a cultural issue. Verse 16, look with me at what it says. But if anyone seems to be contentious, we have no such custom, nor do the churches of God. Here's the bottom line issue. Paul wanted the Corinthians to hold the line against self-indulgent individual access. This actually, really, when you think about it, this goes right hand in hand with that issue of limiting your freedom. The bottom line issue, he's illustrating it through a cultural thing that's going on there with the head cover. The bottom line issue that's going on here is that there is no room for individualism in the sense of you just want to do what you want to do. Who cares what anybody else wants to do? I'm going to do my own thing. I have freedom in Jesus. And that's the bottom line. 
And that's the issue. The issue is, is that Paul wanted the Corinthians to hold the line against that kind of self-indulgent attitude. It's the attitude that walks in and says, I'm here, I'm going to do my own thing, who cares what you think? Now let me ask you a question. When you hear that kind of late thinking, I'm here, I'm going to do my own thing, who cares what you think? What immediately comes into your mind when you meet a person like that? Be honest. They're selfish. Do you like a person like that? Why don't you like a person like that? They only think of themselves, but they also go against what? The grain. That's what Bruce is saying, the way we're taught. The, the norm. They are purposely rebelling against the norm. Yeah, the natural order. You understand? So, here's what I'm trying to I want you to see. So, he wants them to guard against that. Because he's... This, it's interesting that he and, when he... when the Holy Spirit guided him to write this letter, that it would come right after the discussion of living and freedom. Remember, right, remember the slogan was, all things are permissible, I can do anything I want to do? And so now he's coming over to the issue of of the issue of women in worship, and he's saying, no, 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 women, there are some restraints. All right, so here, the final point is this. Paul pointed out that this was the universal custom among the churches. This was the universal custom among the churches at that time, this issue of submitting to that divine order, of not indulging yourself. That was the custom. All right, does everybody understand me? The issue isn't whether or not you should have a doily on your head, ladies. Everybody understand me? Everybody agree with that? And first of all, the doily, let's just be honest with you, that was not, their head covering was something more elaborate than that. So, the issue isn't that. But the issue is the order of the roles of women and men within the church. The order of roles of men and women in the church. Now, let me just say this too, and I, I should have brought this out earlier. He is not forbidding the woman to take part in worship. He said, what do you mean? Look with me, go back over. He's saying, it is not, verse 13, judge among yourselves, is it proper for a woman to pray to God with her head uncovered? He's asking a question about how she's praying. He's not saying she shouldn't pray. So women have a role in worship. But that role needs to be reflective of what? The divine order. You understand what I'm saying? That's the issue. And so the issue also is, and this is the other bottom line issue, the issue also is that we cannot, we have to draw the line on self-indulgent behavior within the church. Now, we just stop for got to qualify everything. Within the church. That is, when I talk about the church, the body of believers. Because you can't do that with the rest of the world. Forget it. You're going to drive yourself crazy trying to worry about the rest of the world. But within the church, we need to reflect what God wants to do. So that's the issue. Okay, next week we're going to talk about the Lord's table and some issues surrounding it. Alright, let's close our time.